Hello everybody, thank you very much for downloading this week's episode of the Cinema Catch-Up Club. This is just to let you know that the Cinema Catch-Up Club has an official Patreon page. If you'd like to become an official member of the club and get some bonus goodies, including early access material and bonus features only available to our patrons, then please join up at patreon.com forward slash ccuc podcast. And now, for this week's episode. Hello everybody, and welcome to the Cinema Catch-Up Club, the podcast for films that you probably should have seen by now. I'm your host, Stephen Platt. Thank you very much for downloading this week's episode. And this week, we're going back all the way to 1935. We're going to watch a film that has just turned 85 years old. It is A Night at the Opera, a comedy featuring the Marx Brothers. And joining me as always, we have someone who has seen the film and someone who has not. Our guest who has not seen the film, it's Kate Willoughby! Hello! Kate, how are you? Diddly doing. How are you? Oh, I have had... I've been better. Yes. <laughs> so I, I went to your wedding. Mm-hmm. Very good. Had Thanks. lots of fun. Thanks. Excellent time. Uh, then uh, next minute, uh, did my back out. <laughs> I was in hospital for three days, three or four days. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've been staying with my mum as I recovered and uh, used my granddad's walker to get around a house. Mm. Um, but yes, but I'm really excited. This is the most social interaction I've had with people that aren't related to me mm. <laughs> in three weeks. I am pretty stoked. Excellent. Um, so we're going to cut straight to A Night at the Opera. Now, yes. we know that you've not seen it. No. It's a film from 85 years ago. Most people, I'm going to assume, haven't seen it that are knocking no. around. Yeah. Um, but what's your, I suppose, um, knowledge of the Marx Brothers themselves? Yes. Okay. So yeah, when I heard Night at the Museum, I was like, oh, Night at the Museum, Night at the Opera. Um, <laughs> Both classics. Yeah. <laughs> Gaucho Marx's Night at the Museum, I would love to see. Oh, God. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I was like, oh, is, was it like Phantom of the Opera vibe? And then I heard of the Marx Brothers and I was like, oh, okay. I assume it's going to be a comedy. Mm. But here's the thing. I haven't actually seen a lot of Marx Brothers stuff, hmm. but the name itself is, you know, sort of known as like that classic era of Hollywood of like comedy and I think comedy stunts. They like, the, but mostly comedy films. Hmm. And they were like brothers that worked in Hollywood and they created some classic era comedies that I think a lot of people pay homage to and stuff that I watch that I probably don't even know are references mm. to the Marx Brothers. Yeah. So, but I don't actually, I don't think I've watched a lot of their stuff at all either. So this is going to be brand new entry level for the world Entry level stuff and there will probably be a few gags in there that I'll go, oh, that's like from that movie. And they'll be like, <laughs> yeah, Kate, it was a reference to this film. And I'll be like, oh, okay. Excellent. Well, joining us as our guest who has seen the film, it's Anna Sheehy. Hello, hello. How you doing, Anna? Yeah, good. We just had a, like a 20 minute conversation about marmalade and jam before this. So I'm absolutely psyched. You're ready to go. I'm great. <laughs> um, you have seen A Night at the Opera. Yes, many, many, many times. So I didn't know this until we put the call out for this um, film, but that you have a history with the Marx Brothers of watching them. Yeah, um, I have older parents mm. um, who have fairly classic tastes, fairly classic Hollywood tastes. And so growing up, I think I consumed a lot of media. And I think as a child, you don't necessarily know the age of something. If it's in black and white, you just go, oh, it's kind of old then, I guess. Or, But if it's funny, 
doesn't matter how old it is, you're just obsessed with it anyway. And so me and my brother um, were absolutely obsessed with the Mark Brothers and we used to just watch them all the time. And A Night of the Opera is one. Honestly, there's jokes in it and lines in it that have incorporated into things that my family just says mm. that I had forgotten were from there until I rewatched it about three or four months ago and tried to show it to my husband. Um, so yeah, it's a brilliant movie. I'm really excited to see like people's fresh opinions on it because mm. it's so it feels so classic to me. Like, oh, everyone's seen that. Um, but apparently not, so I'm excited. How is it introducing it to a modern audience? Like, you just said that you showed it to your husband in, you know, th- yeah, this well, year he, of our Lord 2020. <laughs> how, how did he go with it? Well, um, we had had a really long day, and so he fell asleep halfway through. Right. Um, I don't want that to be a comment on the quality of the film or how engaging it is. Mm. I was having a great time, but even I was falling asleep. Mm. Um, it's, for the age of film it is, it's actually remarkably... <laughs> not racist or xenophobic or sexist in my opinion hmm. from the rewatch of it from being from 1938 in Hollywood um, the Marx Brothers themselves like grew up in Brooklyn and are from a Jewish background and sort of lived in like a big part of their comedy is like they lived in sort of a very diverse neighbourhood hmm. so um, there's like callbacks and they do lots of impressions and things. But I think the, the comedy itself, like Kate was saying, there's so many throwbacks to it from so many other comedians, modern comedians, mm-hmm. that it feels very like relatable and stuff you've seen before, but it's the original. So mm. yeah, I hope I think everyone can enjoy it still, kids and, and older people. So Well, all that being said, shall we watch it and find out? Yes, um, let's grab our tickets and go to the opera. <laughs> All right, for those of you listening at home, uh, pop in those DVDs, VHSs, uh, or I guess really old film reels in this case, because we are going back away. Uh, pop in those DVDs and prepare to never forget a face, but in your case, I'll make an exception as we watch A Night at the Opera. Welcome back, everybody. We have just finished watching A Night at the Opera. By we, I, of course, mean Anna Sheehy. G'day, g'day. And Kate Willoughby. Hello, hello, hello. Kate, that was your first time watching uh, A Night at the Opera, and indeed, any Marx Brothers content. Yes. What did you think? It was fun. Yeah. Like, I, yeah, I didn't mm. hate it. It's definitely like a, a movie of its time. It has some really sweet parts to it. And also had like, they were like, oh, here's the basic. We've got a plot. And then we'll, you know, do some stuff around it. Um, yeah. 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 But it was enjoyable. It was enjoyable. It was fun. Yeah. This was my first time watching it as well. Um, and I was surprised how how much I enjoyed it. Mm. Like, I mean, I've, I've seen bits of the Marx Brothers before. I don't think I've ever watched a whole film the whole way through. But I've seen clips. I'm familiar with Groucho's stuff specifically. Um, but seeing them all in action like for this you know 90 minute film like it's a fair whack of time um i was i I was surprised how much i enjoyed it but i also feel like i shouldn't be anna i feel like like the marx brothers are so well revered particularly in um american film comedy circles um yeah I, i i had a really pleasant time how was it for you revisiting for the first time in a few months yeah no it was good not being as tired this time i could really pay attention and i think the pacing of movies from that era is very different to what like a modern audience is mm. sort of used to and so it can take a bit more 
out of you just to like pay attention to what they're doing and the pacing of it is really like fast sometimes they'll just change scenes really quickly out of nowhere it'll just be like now you're in this room with these people have fun and then other times scenes will like seem to go a bit longer than maybe mm. you'd expect them to now um but yeah no i love it it's just it's just silly it's so silly it, it is incredibly silly <laughs> and i think for me that was the thing i really enjoyed um and I, i'm gonna make a presumption that you did as well kate the, the yeah. silliness no i did i was yeah it had such yeah just very silly moments throughout the thing just strung together just, pretty much yeah <laughs> just strung together yeah yeah and i think it is interesting because the the plot as as you say is kind of not even it's, it's yeah, there for the I mean, because thing. this yeah. is the first one they did with plot right they had done duck soup before this they mm. did about i think two or three films before this mm. and they like they're fun but i would not really recommend anyone watch them because they're literally them just like goofing around playing off each other in a series of different sets with almost no connective tissue yeah this is the first one they did with any and it's sort of gotten better from there so mm. um yeah, it's interesting guys picked up on that because it's so, like, <laughs> such a move for them towards real cinema. Yeah, but even then, it's, like, compared to normal standards, it's like, they sort of just threw this one together. Well, yeah. it's one of those things where they're like, all right, we've got a plan to get the guy <laughs> to be able to go on stage and sing, and that is ruin the show <laughs> so the audience will hate it, mm. then throw you on stage, and you know what? It's going to go so well, they're going to love you. And we're going to, you know, and I was like, I was like, that's your plan that's a terrible plan like there was no fun gag like a part of me was like wouldn't the gags instead be like kidnapping the lead singer and like having jokes of them having to hop on stage i was waiting for Mm. any of those um brothers to pretend to have to sing opera Mm. like i was Mm. like so and i think that gag would have been funnier of kidnapping the guy and then as the show goes on they, every, you know, mm. and the show managing to sort of keep going and everyone going, that's amazing. But instead it's like... <laughs> it went for chaos. It went, they went for chaos, <laughs> which for me as someone that, you know, has worked in theatre and, and mm. likes watching shows, I found I was very angry at that because <laughs> I was like, I was like, these chorus members are just working really hard and you're just like ruining it. But, yeah. um, you know, but, you know, it was full of hoity-toity rich people. So, you know, it's fine. Yeah, I, I think it is really interesting looking at this this comedy style. Like, I'm, I, I think that Grant Marks was one of the funniest people mm. uh, of his time and I think still remains incredibly funny um the, you know lots of just brilliant one-liners that he's coming out with and things like you know the, you know the whole nine uh, dollars for a meal that's ridiculous and turns to the woman i don't think you should pay for that, <laughs> that was, yeah and that's what i mean he had some yeah. really good one-liners and but, i it was but this this did also make me go he would have been if, if that was what groucho was like he would have been one of the worst people to oh, have spent any prolonged time with. Terrible human being. And that's the thing. The whole time I'm like, <laughs> you are a terrible... And then I'm like, what has this rich woman done to you? You're so cruel to her. And mm. she just keeps putting like, putting up with you. And I was yeah. like, yeah. He, but some of the one-liners were were very, very funny. Yeah, I mean, Otis Driftwood, which is the character's name. But I have a feeling mm. we're going to be leaning back on uh, the actual Marx Brothers names. Probably, yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, but but driftwood slash groucho um they they're not they're not i don't think they're written to be a character that you're sort of against it's just that they're so present that character is so 
aware that they are in a comedy film. Yes. And everyone else around them isn't. And I think yes. it just makes them seem like if you were living day to day and Groucho Marx or Otis Drift was as part of your world, you would be Gottfried. You would be you'd yes. be you'd be the, the frustrated um concussed theatre. We'd be calling manager. him Schweinhund all the time. Yeah. yeah. Um but it's but it's really enjoyable. It's really lovely to watch. You can see the connection uh, the connections between Groucho and um Bugs Bunny. Yes. Like there were very clear uh, connections Oh, 100% to them. and like he's he's talking to the audience the whole time. Like that's mm. his whole kind joke of like guide are, through everything. Yeah, it's like, you know, when he's doing the gags and he's doing the side stuff cuz he's probably going, I've got something funny while you're doing this physical comedy bit cuz <laughs> there's nothing happening. So it's like it's him t- turning to the audience going like I was going to enjoy my breakfast, but now this, you know, yeah. which is what you would do, you know, when they would have been I'm assuming when they would have been doing the vaudevillian routes, routes mm. and stuff. Mm. Um to an audience, like his job during stuff like that would have been to talk to the audience as, you know, other people are messing around. So, mm. but he was still, but the character in our world, but you would hate Bugs Bunny in our world as well. That's true. Like, yeah. Those he's, types of characters, that they only work in fiction. I don't yeah. know if it was a trope of the era, but I'm trying to think of other movies with Groucho where he does that exact thing, which is try and grift a rich widow. And I think it's most of them, to be honest. Yeah, I mean... That's, like, part of his character. And it's really weird now to look back on it because it's so unpleasant. Like, it's funny to watch him do it, but it's an unpleasant thing he's doing. Like, Mm. he's sort of bullying and negging this old lady who's clearly very rich, sort of leaving her hot and cold and then um, basically manipulating her. Um, But, yeah, it's it's part of his character in loads of movies. So I don't know if that was, like, sort of a common theme of, Mm. like, sort of... Oh, isn't it funny? He's trying to marry a rich widow. I think it's it's not even so much a specific like. I don't think the Marx Brothers had an anti-widow agenda, <laughs> no. but but I think it's more just that it's it, it it gives a very simple motivation. Like it's all about the quick setups. Yeah, and he's stuff. a con man. He wants money. Yeah. He'll do anything to get it because look, it's a rich widow, and he'll even try and con her. Yeah, yeah. There you go. And I feel like the the, the rich widow route, which is one that's used in a lot of comedies where it's you know a, a rich elderly benefactor of some kind that you are trying to um get that money from and mm. i i think it's, it's it's kind of almost like shorthand for you want some plot here's some plot essentially <laughs> yeah we're gonna hop on a boat we've got the yeah. two lovers everyone loves the lovers you know yeah. but we're gonna make sure that every time we do our gags his face is always you only see the back of his head and he's never the main you know uh, you know mm. the romantic lead oh, yeah. and a part of me is like Either was it the option where they were like, look, you're not part of the comedy stuff. Mm. You're just here to be an actor and sing opera. Yeah. So we'll just let you sit there and just we'll film us. Yeah. Or was it the guy couldn't stop laughing? So they just turned, <laughs> they just turned him and went, just the don't shoulders worry up about and down. it. It, it yeah. could be. I mean, I, I do have to say the, the, the serious actors in this film. They did uh, a good job holding... Yeah, I I didn't sit there going like, oh boy, where did they get these schmucks from? Like, like Ricardo was great, Rosa was they great, they were all great. Even Gottlieb um, is honestly a really good foil. Like, yeah. he's just a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, yeah. and um, yeah, Snooty, what's his face? Uh, you know, the clearly Italian uh, <laughs> oh, opera one. singer. That's totally. Which I do like the fact that you know, like you said, the late least you know, there's Rodolfo, no. That was it. Yeah, there's no like cringy humor the closest you get to cringy humor is with the widow art sort of stuff that weird yeah. negging but like you know when the douchey italian opera singer um you know is all like trying to be like why don't you shuck up with me I'm, I'm everyone loves me hmm. and she's just politely just telling him to like bugger off <laughs> yeah and it's like 
totally respected by everyone else in the film of her being, yeah. you know. And that was one of the things that I thought was like one of Grant Cho's redeeming qualities is yes. like he was he was whilst he was well, on one hand negging a widow, he was on the <laughs> other hand wingmanning to the best of his abilities. Yeah. This young couple, because like in a fatherly figure way, like sweet. oh, you two kids, mm. oh, yeah, you know. I, and I think a lot, love letters. A lot of what they're doing, because they do come from that vaudeville background and from that just long theatrical tradition, is this whole thing just felt very um, commedia dell'arte. Yes, where you've got the lovers, mm. you've got um, like you've even got the police officer who's in like the Il Capitan, who's a bit like <laughs> floundering. Henderson, who's like, oh, there were four beds in here, now there's three. Um, you've got Groucho, who's essentially in the um, the Harlequin role, the kind of yeah. like, I make the jokes. And then you've got the other Marx brothers, um, Harpo and Chico as the Zani, especially Harpo, um, where the, the Zani were the, um, the sort of like the almost voiceless clowns. They were the yeah. ones that were just tweedledee and tweedledum from mm. Alice in Wonderland. That that those type of figures where they just walk out and they honk horns and hit each other on the head um, and pass each other salamis. Yeah, yeah. and I, I think they they used that. They used that tradition, which they're obviously clearly all extremely comfortable with from the stage days, and I think it just translated really nicely to an easily readable text, which didn't need a plot because the enjoyment isn't mm. from i think it's because you're sitting down and going we're going to watch a film that you have that expectation from film tradition but as it was going i found myself leaning more on what my expectations of theater are yes uh, yeah when you're yeah. watching it as a theater and that what was also cool is it's a and i guess i wouldn't be surprised i don't know how old-timey films did stuff but mm. like also old school theater and mm. old school opera had that very style of people would sit and chat and then they would turn and watch stuff and go, oh, it's great. Mm. And then as things became more structured and official, people were like, no, you can't sit and chat and watch in theatre. <laughs> yeah. No, you can't leave during the opera. You mm. know, like people made these like things. And I wouldn't be surprised if like old school films mm. back in the day would have had that sort of, oh, look, where here's a section where they're playing piano and it's a fun little thing that the kids can enjoy. And if people want to... Go get something to go yeah. to the bathroom or yeah. people are you know mm. um the film had a very like communal yeah chill out vibe I which mean, i enjoyed that that five ten minute musical sequence in the middle where they're all mm. we were chatting yeah but i was that. still enjoying mm. the yeah. movie it wasn't as though we were like oh right we can tune out now it's like no no we're watching you know um harpo with the harp and just this unique playing style and all mm. that and we're seeing um uh chico like um entertaining the kids with the piano that yeah. was really and, sweet and i love that scene and such something so scene. genuine about the kids in that scene yeah that it really i mean it's it's got a massive um cast of extras this yeah. movie like mm. some of the scenes it's like 300 plus people all sort of crammed onto the set i mean in the, the, boat. the theater the, the opera at the end yeah, that, massive that, all ensemble. the police officers trying to catch harpo <laughs> and just all the bodies on stage moving around it's, it's oh it would have been yeah. really cool to watch on film because it would have been mm. like a very like big set pc yeah. sort mm. of thing to see yeah, yeah. Uh, i mean this is just a really enjoyable experience i guess and i i, I suppose anna um with, with your i suppose uh experience with the marx brothers um where does where does this film sit in your own sort of personal ranking of their films? I think as thinking of the ones that I've watched the most, this is probably number one, to be honest. Okay. Um, there is another one that I used to watch obsessively, and I wish I could remember the name right now. It involves a diamond necklace being put into a can of sardines. Classic. That 
um, that Harpo line. steals from a department store. He's like sort of low key a uh, uh, kleptomaniac in this one. He just ke- he has this enormous jacket that he just keeps putting things in, and there's lots of funny jokes where he just pulls out the most random stuff from these huge pockets. And he steals his can of sardines from a, a grocery store because he belongs to a band of actors that are all starving, trying to put on this play. And they get in trouble with the, the gang that smuggled these diamonds. Um, would that be Love Happy? That would be Love Happy, mm. yes. Um, yeah, I was obsessed with that one as well. Mm. But no, these two, I think, again, because I, I did watch Duck Soup. I did watch some of the earlier stuff. But this, as much as I thought they were really funny, I think because the storyline just sort of dissolves in those ones into, look at these funny boys doing their funny thing. Um, yeah, and out of the opera always really grabbed me. I, mm. I had a huge crush on Ricardo when I was a kid, and I also could, Rosa. <laughs> they were just both so beautiful. I was yeah. like, they are I mean, but they're the lovers. They're the yeah, like, they're, they're really the young sweet. ingenues that you're yeah. just like, and like I'm sure there's a couple of people who are probably looking at Rodolfo and going, yeah, he's handsome, but God, he's mean. Like, yes, yeah, so, like, so mean. And mm. like, and I and I loved how they established that at the beginning of beating his helper and then throwing him out, and then clearly. She's seeing him up, being yeah. such a douche to this <laughs> poor, you know, helper. Mm. So it establishes a really sweet relationship and then him trying to be nice to him mm. when they um, get let in. It was, yeah, he was so mean. Yeah. He, so it's okay that he had multiple head fractures oh, throughout, yeah. throughout the film because he gets hit with mallets. I know, but I'm like, he's just, he's wearing like all these, he's wearing, just that scene of him having all the clothes on for the opera like yeah. all of them like and uh, and then and even the dress and like he wouldn't even that wouldn't even be the dress for the guy that he's working for like that's yeah. just a probably a chorus girl's dress oh, yeah. it was very funny which again i think is one of the great joys of a character like harpo who is kind of just that that chaos element yes to 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 the story um and and again i think chico's arguably got the toughest job in this one because he's sort mm. of the second fiddle to both yes he does a very good job question because obviously i don't know much about the marx brothers mm. um was that his actual accent or was that the accent he put on for the character i don't believe it's his actual accent but it is the it is the accent he keeps in all of the movies so he's not italian in this one because they're from italy um chico always sounded like that mm. so it was the vaudeville character that he created for himself oh, yeah. okay. because they are um from new york they're from Brooklyn, I believe, mm. and their family is Jewish. I think from somewhere in Europe, but not from yeah. Italy. Groucho always speaks like Groucho. He never changes his voice. Yeah, he... He's always just, I'm saying these lines real quick, and I've always mm. got a cigar and a moustache. That's that's just, mm. it's more like, here is the caricature, what crazy situation they're going to be in. It's a bit like the Laurel and Hardy films. Laurel and Hardy yeah. are always Laurel and Hardy, even when they're in the French Foreign Legion yes. or they're <laughs> you know, somewhere else in the world. Like, they're piano movers. Like it's kind of it's kind of again it, it, the thing to compare it to is things like Looney Tunes yeah. where Bugs Bunny and Daffy Duck are always those intrinsic characters, but sometimes um, Daffy Duck has like a job somewhere, or sometimes Bugs Bunny is no, he's always going to Albuquerque. He's always taking a long <laughs> turn at Albuquerque, but they sort of like slip into these other roles. And kind of the joy comes from going, oh, it's Groucho. Yeah, it's Otis B. Driftwood, but really, it's Groucho. What's Groucho going to do? Well, I thought it was cool because the entire entire time he kept talking, I kept thinking of um, Princess Bride, um, Diego Montoya. Like, the accents were very similar. (laughs) And I was just like, and I was waiting for him to say a line by like, you know, know, uh, 
anyway, Princess Bride. You were waiting castle. for Chico to go. Um, you'll kill my father. Prepare to die. No, and, then, and then Groucho jumping in and going, "Prepare! I've been waiting for years." <laughs> no, I was waiting for the yeah, but no, that's funny. Doesn't I was just waiting for the whole like, let me explain. It's oh, too yeah. long. So, I mean, like I was waiting, like especially with the, the contracts, I was mm. waiting for like I thought he that character was very funny. I thought he did a very good job of playing, you know, like genuine and wanting to help his friend out mm. and like wanting to help the couple and he you know so i think that kind of character works of like he doesn't he doesn't know how to read a contract so he's a bit dumb but (laughs) he's hard working he travels everywhere but he can't hold a job but everyone seems to like him Mm. so like wherever that cat wherever that character goes he manages to always i don't know again because i've never watched any mark stuff but it seems like wherever that character goes he manages it just sorts itself out you know, because he's yeah. kind enough that everyone's <laughs> like, "Oh, you're. A, why don't you have this 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 villa? No one's staying in it. Oh, you you sh-? you know. While like um, the Driftwood character, it's like something terrible is always going to happen to him because he's a bit of a dickhead. Yeah. <laughs> but he'll find himself on his feet. Mm. But you yeah. know, whatever. I don't know. I thought you have to put Groucho's characters in the trap for him to figure out how to get out. Yes. Um, whereas, yeah, I think the others are a bit more earnest like harpo will end up in traps just because he's harpo yes um he'll just walk into a room do one thing and it will cause everything else in the room to collapse around him <laughs> um which i think is that again that wonderful clowning thing um, yeah, that comes I, along the getting ready um in the um uh, in the room room 50 uh, the tiny room the in tiny the, room yes. yeah. <laughs> the tiny room and i think i only saw i th- i might be again i might have miss seen it um but the one of the servers, um, she the one of the bed, the oh. women making the beds. Yeah, I think she semi broke when he's <laughs> on top of her, and they're making sort of like a, a sex joke thing. But mm. you can tell the guy is being really respectful because he's doing all the weight stuff. Yeah, because he's yeah. meant to be asleep. Because he's meant to be asleep. Yeah. But you can see, I just saw the actress like give like a little scoff smile and then keep going. Yeah. Um, it was a very, very funny scene, but I think that was the only time I think I saw someone obviously editing, but it was yeah. very funny. Yeah. Yeah. That scene what was hilarious. your favourite scene? Because I feel like it's probably better to look at this film as scenes as opposed to mm. one big narrative. Um, def- well, definitely the tiny bedroom was quite funny um i also liked um when he was explaining how they got to america by plane <laughs> ran out of fuel we flew out and we forgot the plane i thought that was very funny yeah. um and i also um i liked the phys- i thought there was going to be more which i think m- made me go oh i really wish i saw more and when they were put in the prison of the boat mm. And um, the water goes through, and it was very funny. Of like the water goes through, and then Ricardo has managed to come through at the same time with the rope. I was like, "What the f- are you doing here, Ricardo?" Um, it was very funny, mm. and him trying to get out. But um, yeah. because the thing was moving from side to side, I was, I was thinking like this other gag was going to happen, and mm. it didn't. But I, I liked the practical effects that they had. Mm. I thought that was very funny. All right, yourself, Anna. Obviously, you've you've grown up with this film so mm. is, is there one in particular that just makes you go ah <laughs> um i think and two hard-boiled eggs and and one duck egg has got to be something that just lives in my brain <laughs> forever yeah. um but i think honestly i which is my favorite part has got to be 
the scene in the New York apartment where they're moving the beds. That's so funny. And he's just losing his mind. And you know he's like, you, in your brain, you're like, go the other direction. They're right there. Mm. But he never does. And it's very sort of pantomime, which is something I really enjoy. Yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, all of Groucho's asides, like, you know, oh, were there three beds in here? It's like, I don't want to know about your private life. Come on. And <laughs> all that sort of thing. I Yeah, I just think it's fantastic. Um also, sorry, this is this is us going backwards a moment. Mm-hmm. But I just wanted to say what you guys are saying about sort of <coughs> all the three brothers playing off each other in that way, and especially Chico, I think, being sort of one of the more like communicating the story and, and getting through things sort of easily. Because I had forgotten about this one, and then I found it on YouTube, and I like watched half of it one afternoon. Um, there was a movie that Groucho did by himself, which was actually it was called The Copacabana, and it was the only movie that Carmen Miranda did in English ever. So it's Groucho Marx and the Carmen Miranda, lady with the fruit on her head, incredible performer, um, singer, actress, comedian. Yeah, that sounds insane. Yeah, it does sound insane. Um, But they're sort of a couple who grift their way into a nightclub. And Groucho is a lot harder to pass by himself. Um, He makes it through because his relation with Carmen Miranda as a comedian is actually completely fantastic. I wish she'd done more movies. Like, her comedic timing and her expression is just fantastic. Um, But, yeah, they had to, like, tone him back a lot because having just Groucho by himself, like you guys were saying, where he sort of makes a bed for himself and you watch him lie in it and just be a bit of a dickhead (laughs) and have to deal with all the consequences of, like, all the lies and all the manipulation and... um, Just sort of watch him unwind from it. Um, but yeah, that's actually still a very good film that I okay. would recommend anyone watch. Okay. Um, especially just to see Carmen Miranda, who's honestly, I'm so surprised she didn't do more movies because she's mm. really fantastic and a complete vision. Excellent. I- I'm finding it really hard to pick a favourite moment. Mm. I think partly because it was the first time watching it and there were quite a lot of good moments. I mean... Gottfried getting hit on the head by Henderson getting hit on the head by <laughs> Chico was pretty good. Um, just the way that one was set up. Uh, it's, it's a small moment, but it's very enjoyable. Um, I think it is probably the Groucho one-liners, though. Um, like, I was um, sort of introduced to the Marx Brothers through a biography of Groucho Marx that I picked up from an op shop a few years ago. And it was written by his son, but all the footnotes were written by Groucho, so it was almost like a son telling his father's life story and his father just shouting things in <laughs> and it, those quips came across in that book and they the same way they come across in the films mm-hmm. and it was just some of those wonderful responses um that i really enjoyed but it's kind of hard to say it's a favorite moment because it's like two seconds to an extent it is, yeah. yeah but like but like i absolutely love the the table set for four so what my alarm set for eight like it <laughs> can't prove anything yeah it's things like that that i really enjoyed i actually I'll, I'll say one that we haven't said yet. Um, when they get to the hotel in America and Groucho climbs on top of his giant suitcase and gets driven through Yes, and he's just hall. singing, like, opera yeah. through the whole thing. Yeah. And they collide with the other suitcase and he sells him insurance or pretends to sell him insurance. <laughs> for, and but uh, instead gives him the bill for the hotel for, like, $520. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. dude, that's the 30s. That's a lot of money. Yeah. Like, also, this widow has $8 million. I was yeah. like, that is... I want to do some math because that's way more than I expected. That is a lot of money now. That's a lot of money now. People, yeah. would, people would be grifting an $8 million widow now. Yeah. Like that is... <laughs> 
was like, I can't imagine why that's for the 30s if, like... Particularly 30s. Uh, 1935, when this was made, you were also looking at the fact that they're right in the middle of the Great Depression as well. Yes. Like, it's, and I, I... Which, again, also works with the vibe of why the grifting is, you know, I'm using, you know, quote marks here, like, okay. Yeah. Because it's... it's just like, it's the Great Depression... She's got $8 million. What about us working class people yeah. trying to make a buy? What I about mean... dishonest men like us? <laughs> we need to live too. Like, it's, yeah. Yeah. I, 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 yeah, and I think it very much works and fits in those times. And there were little bits of discussion about, like, economic recovery kind of slipped in, in yes. conversations between, like, Groucho and Chico, and talking about, um, like, trying to survive in this, like, awful financial situation that I was, I was surprised there was a lot of, I guess contemporary social commentary. Yeah, I mean, I also like the like the taxes. Like when they're talking about like paying a performer a thousand dollars a show, and he's like, um, "You could get Mini the, you could get a recording, play <laughs> Mini the Moocha, and you could, you know, and get Mini." And I was like, "Oh, that's a little <laughs> racy, little, though, little right. racy sex joke there." Yeah. Um, but like also the fact that when they'll go, we'll pay him ten dollars, and then. Mm. Oh, but I have to take a car and I have to take a tuck. Um, but then also taking the piss of the amount of taxes in New York City that you got to mm. pay for stuff. The street tax. The, the street, street yeah. tax. <laughs> and I was just like, that's hilarious because that's something that is still... Mm. Yeah, so there's definitely some comedy stuff that is works for now. It does. I just did a quick Google. Uh-huh. And $8 million in 1935 was $153 million. Ow, oh, that's a spicy yeah. widow. <laughs> <laughs> no wonder he was like getting got leave to like bugger off. This yeah. is my widow. Grifted <laughs> yeah. hard. Well, you know, yeah. he shouldn't be having dinner with other women. Like, mm. oh he's not God. doing a good job. Even at the opera, he leans over and talks to other women whenever he's in the box with her. He's just getting yeah. it together. 153 yeah. million. Yeah, work harder. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you should be called Griffwood. Come on, <laughs> let's get to it. Uh, would you guys like some trivia about I a night? I would love some trivia. All right. All of this trivia is sourced from IMDb. So if it isn't true, don't blame <laughs> me. Uh, the first bit of trivia uh, is to do with the Groucho Marx quip. Um, the director of this film was a very serious man named Sam Wood, uh, <laughs> who, if you read this trivia section in its entirety, you end up just feeling very sorry for Sam Wood that he was given the job of directing the Marx Brothers because he was quite a serious filmmaker. Capital S, capital F. You know what you could... yeah, that's on him, really. But also some of the shot choices and like, Mm. you know, the... Yeah, I I get that it was probably an actual director and how the other actors were performing. Yeah, Yeah. but it would have been a bit of a nightmare. In exasperation, after several attempts to have Groucho Marx read one of his lines in the manner that Sam Wood, the director, requested, Wood said... I guess you just can't make an actor out of clay. Groucho Marx responded instantly, nor a director out of wood. <laughs> oh, God. Where it's just that thing where you want to strangle him, but he's correct. Like, it's just like, that was that was too good. Mm. Um, the producer, Irving Thalberg, great name, by the way. Mm. Um, Irving Thalberg would often call people in for meetings and then keep them waiting in his office for hours while he attended other meetings on the MGM lot. It's a power move, it's Kate. A, okay? He's not being a dick, it's a power it's move. It's a power move? All yeah. power moves are dick moves. No, they are. They absolutely are. But um, anyway, this was something that Irving Thalberg, great name, poor person, actually liked to do. Um, one day during pre-production for this picture, Thalberg kept the Marx Brothers waiting for several hours in his secretary's office while he was in his own office making phone calls. When Thalberg's secretary went home for the day, the brothers decided they had enough. They pushed the office file cabinets against Thalberg's door, trapping him <laughs> in his office. 
Afterwards, Farberg kept his appointments with the Marx Brothers, but would often interrupt his meetings with them and step out to attend other meetings, again keeping the brothers there for hours. One day, Farberg came back from another meeting to find Groucho, Chico and Harpo sitting in his office completely naked and roasting potatoes on sticks in the fireplace. (laughs) Farberg sat down with them, had a potato... And from that point on, never missed or interrupted another meeting with the Marx Brothers. That's hilarious. And that scene of them, you know, where the opera, where the guy walks into his office and they're all (laughs) like, and they're all half naked drinking. I feel like that's a a reference to this guy. And that makes me laugh. I've never heard of people roasting potatoes in a fire. Not like, like I'm imagining like sausages on a stick or marshmallows. Just yeah. a whole potato. That's the kind of genius these, these They'd guys They'd been there had. a while. They were yeah. like, we're not mucking around. We're going to cook a whole potato. Mm. <laughs> I love the fact that the recep- the secretary would have to be like, well, my, I actually do. I have to have got dinner. Go. And they're like, no, you, off you. you we'll go. behave. All right, <laughs> we're not Harper. very strong. We can't Move push a whole thing against the door. Look at this little comedian. Yeah. Um, Harpo Marx did many of his own stunts in this film. He later said it was a silly thing for a 47-year-old non-stuntman to have done. Yes. <laughs> He's right. Yeah. Um, which, just again, him Tarzan swinging across that theatre, even with the the number of potential for trick shots in there um, that they could have done, that was still a pretty risky looking uh, sequence. Yes. No, they're like, we could just, but we've got Tony here with a wig and he's like, hey, and he's like, no, I can do it. I'm like, guys, respect your stunt people, you know, mm. they'll, they'll do it. Uh, originally, before its reissue in the 1940s, the movie started with a title card that places the first bit of the film in Milan, Italy, uh, where there was then a musical number in which people on the street were passing along uh, the melody line of the song, as in the Maurice Chevalier vehicle, Love Me Tonight. So it was like mimicking this Chevalier mm. film. The song was followed into the restaurant where Mrs. Claypool was waiting for Driftwood. Uh, the scene was cut because of World War Two, So when they did this reissue, uh, they removed as many references to Italy as possible. They cut the original negative, though, so it means that those scenes were lost um, mm. and have never been able to be restored, uh, which is why the stated running time for this film is three minutes longer than it actually is nowadays. Yes, and I mean, also, it's one of those things where the movie just starts it does it, just it, begin it's, on it's you. like they're like here are the actors and uh there's a woman in a restaurant and there's like, no there's no like wide shot where they come into a table either it's just like mrs claypool and there's this dude yeah because they were like but we need can't we have the wide shot of of us going into the restaurant too many italians like <laughs> yeah. you know there was a flag there was a, <laughs> someone said bella no 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 <laughs> i know and that's what i loved about it because like everyone has american accents and i feel like that's the funniest part where they're like yeah, oh, it, Ricardo. Oh, Ricardo. <laughs> as we do our debut in America. <laughs> yeah. Like, I think it, it would have uh, really helped to have kept the This Film Starts in Milan title card. Uh, Even though there was the Hotel Milano, which, again, is like an obvious... Yeah. Like, it's in Milan. The hotel is named after the place. <laughs> but still, it, I think it would have been because useful. Because the whole, the whole purpose of it is that they go on the boat to go to America yeah. and they have the working class section which they really were like these are it look at the men in the pasta look at, look this, at them dancing yeah. look at the old Italian people like yeah. you know. I wanted to go to that boat party so badly I, know, I was like why are we in the hoity-toity it, rich section fantastic they're it's giving like, away free food free apparently food. it's like Titanic all over again yeah <laughs> 
where it's kind of like you know like, what yeah you can you can sit with Billy Zane in the rich seats or you can have sex in a car with a bunch of <laughs> Irish people dancing around you you know what a part of me would love it if James Cameron watched this movie and went I'm gonna make Titanic like <laughs> he just picked up a pen These and people went people look like they're having fun yeah he picked up a pen and went I've got an idea. <laughs> I know. Everyone's like, oh, I thought it was just because he was obsessed with the Titanic. He's like, no, 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 no. There's a deleted scene on the cutting room floor of like, of, of this movie sequence happening in the background of Titanic. Yeah. Like with a guy with a cigar. Like, yeah. There's a bit where Groucho, Harpo and Chico are all on a bit of driftwood after <laughs> after the Titanic is sunk and they're all just there waiting to get rescued. And, and Harpo moves a bit more up the driftwood and Groucho falls off the end <laughs> and goes fine i can't even stay on a piece of driftwood oh, what's my life come to i'm great we started this morning on a rich boat now i'm flotsam like that that would have been that would have been wonderful that. oh titanic quick go back fix it go back and fix it yeah um sam wood's stuffiness made him a perfect target for the marx brothers as we've said before uh, the director had an ulcer so he started each day with a big glass of milk because that was medicine in the 30s. Wow. Um, the brothers decided to have it delivered to him in a baby bottle. Uh, oh, that's, sorry, that's a that's great joke. As someone who had a brother who, you know those people who just drink milk all the time mm. and you kind of want to bully them because it's, sometimes it's a bit I, I don't know that's a feeling I've ever had. Is that Maybe it a... is because it is my slightly older brother Maybe. who I just wanted to slightly bully all the time mm. anyway. Uh, but he would just overindulge in milk. And I feel like if I could have delivered it to him in a, in baby. a baby bottle, yeah. it would have been pretty sick, Ben. Um, Wood also imposed a fine for being late to set, which Groucho was in favour of at first. But Chico and Harpo nailed Groucho's garage door shut, making him the first person late and having to pay the $50 penalty. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, then the three turned the penalty into a game, betting on who would be the next one to get fined, leading Wood to eventually abandon the idea. Oh my hey, 50, God. Hey, $50? Yeah. Is $1,000. Hmm. $1,000? Can I... You can buy Minnie and Moochie for 75 cents. <laughs> can I just say how tardy they must have been for them to make it that much money? And for him to be all right at the beginning. But also, these guys were making a lot of money at yeah. this time. Well, that's like, what I mean. To yeah. show, like, for them to go, we have to make it 50 or else they're not mm. going to come in. I guess with such a massive um, mm. cast and crew... In fact, speaking I, I hope that didn't apply to everyone. I hope that just applied to the main stars. But if you've got that many people waiting around yeah. to be on set, you're like, yeah. time is literal money. Like, yeah. just yeah. flying out of our hands at this point. Speaking of time and money, uh, when producer Irving Falberg, great name, poor person, learned <laughs> that the fourth member of the Marx Brothers, Zeppo, would not be joining them at MGM. This is the first film mm. they did at MGM. Uh, he asked the troupe if they'd be willing to take a pay cut for their usual fee. Groucho responded, without Zeppo, we're worth twice as much. <laughs> <laughs> I like to imagine he had the cigar already. Just like, yeah. He conducts all, all meetings fully in character. <laughs> Zeppo used to sort of be their romantic lead because he was the most conventionally handsome of the brothers. Oh. And then they just would swap in a romantic lead who was like best friends with them mm. for every consecutive movie. He'll be like, this is the surrogate brother who's hot. There you go. Yeah, they're like, we need a, we got a sexy brother, we got a dumb brother, we got a, we got the the douchey brother, and we've got the the silent, non-sexual, but charming, like kind of sweet, sort of queer. Which of the Marx Brothers were you the most attracted to? I'm curious, Kate. Like, let's say it's Blind Date, and you've got (laughs) Groucho, Harpo, and Chico are there. Uh, well, probably I don't know because I, I I think because like Chico can talk, mm. so I, th- I feel like it would be conversation. I think it would be Chico, then Harpo and <laughs> Groucho. Groucho d- wouldn't Always. even make. I'd be like, nah. nah. 
Nah. That's fair. Anna, what about yourself? Um, I think I always thought Hapo playing the harp was just like pretty dreamy. Mm. Yeah. And if he just played the harp on our date, I think that would be cute. Yeah. Like Hapo's very sweet. Yeah, he's he's a bit of a um he's got crazy eyes sometimes. He puts them on, but he's he's really sweet the rest yeah. of the time. I think Harpo I, I would probably go Chico, but I think that's probably just because I think he's the one that's least likely to make the date interminable. <laughs> <laughs> like I feel like Harpo, as endearingly sweet as he is, will like tuck the tablecloth of the restaurant into he'll his, eat his own tie. Into, he'll yeah, cover his and soy then sauce. he'll get up and all the food will be whisked off. And meanwhile, Groucho <laughs> will just be rude and make it really awkward for everyone. Yeah, maybe there. I just want to go on a date with Chico yeah. to a show where Harpo's playing. Yeah, you know. Yes. Oh, you would want to date. Chico, so then Harpo was in your family, yeah. and you would go, and you'd go, oh, look, Uncle Harp, obviously, and you'd love him, because he's part of the family, it's but you're, you're like, oh. So, so in the shag, marry, kill of yeah. the three Marx brothers. Yeah. Kill Groucho. You kill Groucho. Kill Groucho. Marry Chico. You marry Chico, Chico, and you know what? Shag Harpo? I think Harpo. Just one time. You know what? Mm-hmm. I one think moonlit would, night. I think, I think they would be good. Yeah. Because uh, lots of silence. It's but got good fingers. Good mm. fingers. He'd grab your boob and it'd go honk. Like it. <laughs> <laughs> Seems very respectful. Mm. Um, plays yeah. music. Very you yeah. know, good with the children. Yeah. Excellent. Well, there you go. The definitive answer <laughs> to Shag, Marry, Kill with the Marx, with the Marx Brothers yeah. in... A Night at the Opera. Sorry, Zeppo, you weren't eligible to play. Sorry, Zeppo. No. Um, the actress playing the manicurist in the stateroom scene has never been identified. Um, That's... They don't know who she is. She's not in the credits. Oh. Apparently, no one knows who this person is. She's just a woman that was on a film and nobody can say who that person was. So, but it, would, you know, it just means that someone... She had a whole costume and loads of props. You know, it, no, it just means that whoever was in charge of writing down to check people Did in that day, that. would have they would have gone, or what, realistically, because of I'm guessing for the gags, hmm. they would have gone, all right, we're going to fill the room, blah, 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 what are we doing, what are we doing? And then one of probably the brothers would have gone, what if we add this gag in, add an extra person, I think that'll be funny. And they would have just gone... You there. You. Mm. And then they would have thrown them in and probably not even, uh, you know, or someone was just bad with the paperwork. That's so random. It is kind of weird, though, because I think, yeah, because she gets those two lines and she is in the foreground, you would think that Mm. MGM, that period of time, she would have probably been a contract actor that they pulled in. Like, there were all the people they just had just waiting that they would pull in. She's not, like, a complete extra. She had lines. Yeah, exactly. So they would have had her on their books. She would have existed in their system as, like, one of their hundreds, to be fair, but, like, one of their contract actors who's just So it's weird that they would have, like, we've got the old lady that was sitting on the boat watching the harp scene. They've got her name down. Well, they found everyone else, the cleaners, the assistant to the mechanic. (sighs) Yeah. All of the waiters, I assume, coming in with food. Like, yeah. he's got them as well, but not her. Maybe it was Zeppo in disguise. That's how they snatched Zeppo him. was looking hot in that film. Mm. Snatched uh, to Zeppo. Mm. <laughs> Snatched to the gods. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> when the movie was to be edited for length, Alan Jones's song Alone was almost cut. That was Ricardo. Alan Jones played Ricardo. Oh, right. Um, Jones pleaded his case to the producer, Irving Falberg, great name, bad guy, who replied... The Marx Brothers know their comedy, and you know songs. I'll keep it in. Slightly better guy. Yeah. Um, Alone went on to become the only hit song from a Marx Brothers film. Ah. Mm. And indeed was uh, very important for, for Alan Jones's career as well. Oh, there we go. But yeah. Um, it's a bop. It, it is a bop. 
Um, Irving Thalberg convinced the Marx Brothers to go on a lengthy publicity and live preview tour of the West Coast before any of the film had been shot. The brothers took five scenes on the live show road tour of Seattle, Salt Lake City, Portland and Santa Barbara. The troupe performed four shows a day, and screenwriters Al Bosberg and Maury Riskind sat through each performance in order to judge the audience's reaction. Ah. Unless a joke produced roaring laughter, it was sent back to the drawing board to be refined or dismissed entirely. The brothers completed their road shows before recording any of the film. That's actually very smart. Mm. Four shows a day, though. That's intense. That, I mean, that would be exhausting, and uh, some of those... Some of those physical gag scenes is where mm. they probably would have come up with some of the stuff, but sometimes a joke just doesn't land. Like that moment, that crowd. Well, I think that's why they watch say, every so show guess, because yeah, they, they might go, "Oh, it works it there." Out. I mm. mean, there was another film because um, they used to say that that's what they used to do for a lot of old films, and then they had to stop because they, you know, previews and stuff like that. As people talk about films all the time mm. now and NDAs, and you're gonna or do all of that. But there would be some of the older films, and I can't remember which movie, maybe we even discussed it on here, hmm. was they would do that. They would have the film screening, and the editors and directors would sit in the back, and they would go, where is the audience not laughing as much? And then they would re-edit the film, and hmm. then they would give it back to the audience. And it's a very w- well-known comedy, and I can't remember... Well, I, I, I can't remember which film it was either, but I know that that also happened with this film. Um, yeah. The original, original running length before they removed all the Italian references <laughs> was nine minutes longer. Yeah. Um, but the first test audience did not like it at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, they found it really like like apparently the Marx Brothers were like devastated because they were like, no, we've made a stinker. And so the editors were like, no, no, it's okay. We're gonna go. We're gonna re- move some bits around. We're gonna chop a few bits off. They cut it down by about nine minutes. And then the second time it was screened, people really liked it. Yeah, and so. I, you know what? There might have been some extra stuff with those pilot brothers that were a bit... Because they were there. No, they were great, though. No, but they were great. <laughs> I love them. But I, no, Would I you want them, any more of them? But that's what I mean. Mm. Is that I wouldn't be surprised if there was more of them in yeah, some true. gags and they were like, no. I'm, you know, so... Yeah, we get rid of the bit where they turn their beards into propellers and fly away. Like, we get rid of that. <laughs> there are actually seven beds in the original. Mm. Um, and they just kept going round and round. It was like a 12-minute sequence. So there were six beds in here. Gretchen's like, it's okay, I've still got jokes. I can keep this going all day. Uh, the screenwriter, Al Bosberg, who was brought on to punch up some of the jokes, um, contributed the now-famous stateroom scene. However, producer Irving Thalberg frequently hounded Bosberg to complete his material, much to Bosberg's annoyance. Eventually... Bosberg called to let them know that materials was ready and he would come that everyone should come get the script from the office. Thalberg and the Marx Brothers showed up to Bosberg's office but there was no script and no Bosberg. The men searched the office to no avail and were about to give up when Groucho Marx happened to look up and find the script ripped to shreds and nailed to the ceiling. (laughs) According to Groucho it took them several hours to piece it back together but they were quite pleased with the work once it had been restored. Oh my god. These people had jobs, and I assume they got jobs after this. Mm. Incredible. Yeah. That's insane. Yeah. At this point, I'm assuming they've... I don't know if they've... That person must have lost it. Like, I I mean, what leads a human being (laughs) to... What did someone say that made a reference to something like that, that he went, I'll show you. That's exactly what I'm going to do. I think the common line is Thalberg, because I'm just trying to place whether this would have happened before or after the naked potato incident. So... (laughs) Yeah, maybe it was just him. Uh, The final bit of trivia I have. uh, The Marx Brothers' transition from Paramount to MGM resulted largely from Chico Marx and Irving Thalberg's affinity for gambling. 
Chico and Thalberg were bridge partners and close friends, and when it became clear that the troops' days were numbered at Paramount, Chico negotiated the move to MGM with Thalberg over a game of bridge. That's amazing. I also like to think that he, they were like ripping off the first party, and we'll refer to the first party. <laughs> we don't need this, do we, Irving? No. Nope. Like, they can get rid of all that. Yeah, that was a fun um, closer that they had for the... I'll oh, bring about the contract. Bring about the contract, yeah. the contract yeah. at the end, yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, it was it was a fun closer, and it it was a really fun film. Like I I had a I had a really lovely time watching it. Uh, all that remains for us to do is to score uh, a night at the opera. And Kate, you get to go first because it was your first time watching a night at the opera. What score would you give it out of ten? Uh, I really I enjoyed it. I thought it was fun. Um, I think it's got some really cool classic stuff in it. Um, I it's it's weird i don't know maybe like a like a seven like a yeah six seven like that's weird because i really enjoy it i don't know mm. it's like i enjoyed it but i didn't love it but i appreciate i appreciated it mm. if that makes sense so there was like lots of stuff that i really appreciated in the film but again it's such a different style and pacing that it's yeah so seven i'll give it a seven seven all right uh what about you anna um, yeah, I think what, what Kate says really rings true because it, as much as it's super nostalgic for me and I really love it and it brings back a lot of good memories, it's not the sort of paced film that I would just put on for like a relaxing time yeah. necessarily because it requires a bit more of your attention to like keep up with it. Um, but I think just for the nostalgia for me, Summer Sucker is probably a 9 out of 10. A 9 I mean, out of 10. It's just a fun time. No, yeah, it's definitely yeah. a fun time. Yeah, I, I think I'm in the same boat as 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 UK in terms of being like I, I did really appreciate this and it's it, it is very much sort of up my alley comedically speaking like that that balance that the three Marx brothers in this film have uh, between physical comedy and um, word based comedy and the way they sort of blend and manoeuvre around each other it, it I appreciated it it made me laugh I didn't like fall in love with it though yes um and i don't know if that's just because it's a film from 1935 and it's like it's not it's a well shot film and it's a film that survives from the era but it's not a film that gets anywhere near sort of today's film standards and that's part of its charm but also i do think there are some slight detractions from just little bits of film language that haven't quite carried through to today mm. yeah like um, how i was talking about the um the 180 rule, there was yeah. the 180 rule yeah. of how with the harp scene or like some of the some of the editing cuts were quite good mm. then there was others where it's very jarred where some of them, some of them yeah. were jarred and um yeah. or the sound thing where clearly the visual like the hotel room scene where the officer he'd clearly come in and they were still doing dialogue and sound and they were like oh i guess we'll just cut the sound of those guys <laughs> talking so it's silence but then they add no atmospheric yeah. sound so it's just dead noise for a bit like mm. it's very interesting and same with like it's interesting watching an old film the lack of background music as well i think when I, not this time but the previous time i rewatched it because it's such a musical film i think from a modern standpoint i'd expect a lot more just background all the time there's yeah the diegetic and non-diegetic stuff that they've got is yeah mm. yeah so for me it's good, and I would absolutely watch it again and watch more Marx Brothers films, but I do think there are certain bits that draw it back, partly just because of its age and partly just because there are bits that I guess didn't work for me. But most of it did, and I did have a good time. So I'd give it... Um, I'd probably give it six and a half cigar sandwiches <laughs> out of ten. 
and two hard-boiled eggs probably as well um yeah it was it was really fun so uh, anna and kate thank you so much for joining me on this episode of the cinema catch-up club thank you for having us yes it was very official i liked it I... <laughs> yes i thought i should yeah the transatlantic accent the darling trans... are you from italy <laughs> <laughs> the dead bjorn the dead bjorn in america oh we're goodness. in new york <laughs> Oh, Ricardo. <laughs> Rudolfo. Rudolfo. It's oh. Rosa. <laughs> Rosa. Every other word said normally, but Rosa. Chico uh, being the only Italian one there. I know, that's what I was like. What? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Uh, for those of you listening in, thank you so much for listening in. Hey, we are almost at the end of the year, which what? means... We've got some cool Christmas stuff coming up. No way! Yeah. So if you want to uh, hear what those Christmas films are, you better make sure that you are subscribed to the Cinema Catch-Up Club's various feeds. We're on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, wherever you listen. Just subscribe and you'll get those Christmas films and more. Oh, wow. That sounds like a real Christmas bargain. Wait, you can't trick me. There ain't no sanity clause. Oh, but there is. We are also... on Patreon, if you would like to throw some dollars our way to, you know, uh, mean that we won't badger some widows and try and neg them into funding this podcast. We're going to grift you. <laughs> yeah. We're grif- Any widows out there. Yeah. Widows. Yeah. If you're a widow just looking to, you know, help front either an opera company or a small independent podcast, uh, by all means, go to patreon.com forward slash CCUC podcast and you can find some, uh, some goodies. Our patrons get some lovely extra bonus material, which I can't talk about here because it'll make the others jealous. Ooh. And of course, uh, we are available on Facebook for all of your social media needs. Just search for the Cinema Catch-Up Club there. You get updates each and every week uh, and you can also leave us comments you can tell us um your shag marry kill for the marx brothers yes if you put groucho first i want to receive a, a letter from you explaining why why because they really want um the moustache stain <laughs> every time they kiss there's grease paint on their face just the grease paint in so many places mm. the cigar smoke Oh gosh, and his uh, and his uh, eyes. His eyebrows? <laughs> no, because because uh, uh, he's clearly got like I don't know if it was on purpose, but I he's clearly. Oh, when he goes cross-eyed. Yeah, he's clearly naturally cross-eyed, or is it a comedic? I thing? think it's I think something it's a, that he pulls. something he puts on. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because I was like, <laughs> I was hey. like, who are you looking at, mate? <laughs> he's got uh, a wandering eye. He's got, he does have wandering <laughs> eye, and if it's a gag, then he the commitment was great, and if it's what he actually had, then to anybody out there. Mm. I apologize. But you could be as successful as Groucho Marx one day if you put in the work. Mm. Yeah. It's all possible. And on that note, (laughs) we leave you. Until next time. Goodbye. Bye. And two hardball decks. You have been listening to a Thought Jar Productions podcast. For more information, please visit thoughtjarproductions.com.